the worship this morning, the reminder, good um, introduction to our theme today. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke 12, uh, 22 through 34 primarily, but uh, going a few verses prior to that as well. Uh, but you know, as Jesus addresses this issue of anxiety, um, specifically about being anxious about just the basic needs in life, um, you know, I think for the persons that were hearing Jesus at that day, that would have been something that would have been a very pressing thing in, in the world in which they lived in. And I think sometimes in the life in which I've lived, I don't know if I've gone throughout seasons of my life where I worried about what was going to be on the, if there would be food on the table uh, or if I had a place to sleep. And I realize some of you, we, I talked about this during our prayer time Wednesday night and uh, some individuals shared about seasons in their life where they were in rough situations. I, I don't want to share the specifics of the stories, but uh, times were seasoned in, their, uh, in one individual's life, living in a vehicle, not knowing where the food was coming, and, and, but knew enough to know parking in a church parking lot was probably the safer place to park. Uh, you know, some of you may have experienced seasons in your life where you're just, the basic provisions were a concern. But you know, I think over this last year with the pandemic and with the impact on the economy, I know many of you experienced job loss. Some of you already were praying for or in the process of still trying to find new jobs or, or maybe you're just in situations where you're not really enjoying your job and, and it causes a lot of stress and, and, and anxiety and concern. Uh, we definitely live in a time in which I think we've been reminded over the last year, whether it was economic issues or the pandemic, uh, we've experienced a reminder that life is fragile. And, and I think it's a good reminder today to just look at this, this passage of Scripture and Jesus' teaching on not being anxious, but instead seeking first the kingdom of God. And I, and I always feel, anytime I ever talk about anxiety, I, I always feel I need to give a clarifier. This is talking about general anxiety about situations in life. If, and, and I believe it's important to understand that there are individuals who have diagnosed issues of anxiety that are physiological emotional issues that can be treated. Uh, this is not, uh, for those that I want to be clear in, in, in presenting this text, um, there is a place for mental health counseling and there's a place where in some situations even medication to help with anxiety. This is dealing with that general idea of anxiety and how do we trust God with our lives and, and for his provision for us. And, and it's connected deeply in our view of who God is. Uh, and, and we're going to see that as we look at the passage. But, you know, one of the things that I realize in a lot of the songs we read today, as well as in the issue of uh, our culture, is that in this issue of trusting God and not being anxious for his provision for us, we go a step, there, there's, a, there's an issue of trust, but there's also an issue of what we're preoccupied with. And, and you see that in Jesus' instruction of don't be anxious, but seek first the kingdom. Um, in the parable that we're going to look at that he, that he shares about the rich man storing up his treasures, um, there's a place about what we are occupied with in our, in our emotional energy and in our, in our attention. That often the issue of being concerned about God's provision and, and what we need often leads to this place of, of being preoccupied with those things to the point where we squeeze out God and his place in our life and, and trusting him, where God wants us to take those needs and those concerns 
and sometimes even our wants, and bringing those to him and trusting him. And so I encourage you to be thinking about that aspect of when we look at this passage about not only the issue of what we trust, but what are we occupied with? What, what has our attention? I, mean, I also believe we live in a culture that there's a larger issue. We live in a consumer-based culture that is always telling you you need something else. One of the reasons as much as, I mean, I grew up with my dad watching um, the, uh, This Old House, one of the first home improvement shows. And my dad's a master carpenter, so it was always funny because he would give commentary like, oh, that's no, no one has those tools. Or he would give commentary as we were watching. Um, so it was, it was always interesting. But, the, but I still, at times, if, I, if this old house is on, I'll put that on. But, you know, there's so many home improvement shows. And did you catch every one of those home improvement shows? Who sponsors them? Lowe's, Home Depot, Ace Hardware. Why? Because they're, they're trying to convince the people watching this that, yeah, you can tear out that cabinet, you can, you can tackle this project, and you can do this yourself, and all you need to do is run down to Lowe's, get the Lowe's commercial credit, uh, or, resident, or uh, personal credit, and you can get whatever you need, and you can do all this. And, and at the heart of it is this idea that you need something else. It's, it, and that's the whole idea of consumerism, is, is trying to say you need something more. We've blurred the lines between a need and a want. Um, going back in my childhood, I, one of the, do you ever have those conversations that you kind of wish at times your parents would bring up the conversation, we're like, you've heard this, can you just put, we've, we've had this conversation, don't need to hear it again, but one of those conversations I heard, and I know my mom's eventually going to hear this, but um, if she watches you know, one of the conversations I had regularly with my parents, specifically my mom, was I'd be contemplating wanting to get something, and she was like, is it a need or is it a want? I still have a little tinge in my soul when I hear that, because I, like, it's like, that's not what I wanted to hear, but there was wisdom in that. But that reflects our culture. Our culture has blurred that lines. And so sometimes I think we have anxiety not even about the basic needs of life. We've, we create this unwell, unrest within our hearts thinking we need something new, we need something else to make ourselves happy and content. I, I'm a techie. I like new shiny electronic stuff. I get that. I like new bikes. I like, there are things I like. We all have our things that, that we might like, that we want to invest in. And I, and I think we have to always be checking our hearts to say, is this something that could be a blessing that I can enjoy, or is this something that's become a preoccupation and is distracting me from the kingdom? With that in mind, let's dive in. We're, we're going to look at, well, before we do that, if you've been walking through Mission 119, Reverend Soper made an interesting observation. Uh, if you've been walking in, through his commentary, he, he highlighted the fact that this account, while sound, it may sound familiar to you, may not sound as familiar as the Matthew 6 passage, which is almost the same teaching, and, and, and he highlighted something that was important for us to understand if we're reading through the Gospels, is Jesus was traveling around and teaching. So this would have been something he would have taught, not just once. It's not like he recorded it once on the sermon in Matthew, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. Here, Luke puts it in a very specific context. But, but Jesus would have, these, these would have been things that Jesus, as often he would do, he'd be interacting with the people and things would come up and he would bring out specific teaching uh, I'm, I'm assuming the disciples probably like that comment from my mom, that is it a need or is it a want? I heard that many, many times. The disciples probably heard Jesus reflect on these truths 
on more than one occasion. So this is Luke's account in, in a very specific instance where he's reacting to a specific situation. And he shares a parable, and then that parable introduces the teaching on being, not being anxious, but seeking first the kingdom of God. Let's pick up uh, in verses 13 through 21. We see the context, and we see the parable that introduces this topic. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to him, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Key theme that will carry through. Life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Verse 16, it says, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this, and I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods. I find that funny, that verse. But um, sometimes we talk to ourselves. It's interesting to see someone in Scripture in this parable kind of talking to himself. Verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So he tells the story. His, his crops are so plentiful that, that he, his barns, he doesn't think his barns are big enough. So he's going to build bigger barns so he can store more and, and come to a point where then he can just sit back, relax, eat, and drink, and be merry because he'll have so much stored up. Verse 20 says, But God said to him, Full, this, very, or this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, without getting into a lot of looking at a lot of other scriptures, if you look through Proverbs, if you look throughout, even in Jesus' teaching about the importance of considering the cost, planning is something that is in, there are plenty of other places in scripture that talk about the importance of being prepared and planning. At the, at the understanding, and, and Reverend Soper highlights this, that a parable, there's typically one main point that is being made. And, and, and when we see this account, Jesus is challenging this idea of, of being obsessed or focused only on making sure that we have enough, making sure we have more in our barns, making sure that we have more in the bank account. Because when we focus only on those things, it can distract us from not only caring for our own spiritual matters, but making a spiritual difference in the world around us. And, and those themes are introduced in this parable of, of, of understanding. And, and, and again, hearing those words in verse 20, but God said to him, full, this very night your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? I mean, we can't, we can't take it with us. And, and it really, this story gives, raises the question, well, how much is enough? And is it possible that we're focused so much on putting more in the barns or more in our bank accounts that we're trying to put ourselves in a place where we really don't need to trust God? And again, there's plenty of other scriptures that tell us we need to plan. Uh, Proverbs uses the ant as an illustration and, and tells the sluggard to look at the ant and how he, he does his work and stores. And there's plenty of scriptures that talk about the importance of that. But if we do those things, if we plan, if we work, if we save in such a way 
that we're trusting what we do and trusting the resources that we gather rather than trusting the one who calls us and who provides for us, it puts us in a dangerous and very shaky place spiritually to where we not only, as Jesus would say, other places could lose our soul, that we need to lay down our lives and surrender our lives so that we don't lose our soul. We see that theme in Jesus' teaching reminding us that we, we need to make sure that we're, as we surrender and as we seek Christ, that we do that with the confidence to know he's going to provide for us. And, and that's where those two words come together, the, the do not be anxious and seek first the kingdom of God. In the Matthew account specifically, is seek first the kingdom of God and, and, and the phrases and all these things will be added to you. All these things, the same issues of concerns for food, clothing, the basic needs of life. If you study psychology at all, you have Maslow's hierarchy of needs and and food and and clothing and basic needs of life are are at the foundation. And and the argument would be made, and, and for the most part, it's accurate. Our missionaries know this. It is hard to tell people about Jesus if they're starving. There, there's, there's, a, there's a reality. I'm not trying to argue with Maslow here. There, are, uh, there is an understanding in, in that sense that we do need to, if we're ministering to people, we need to make sure that we're not just telling them about the hope of Christ, but if they have need for food and clothing and shelter, that's why we need to care for those things. But in some sense, Jesus does flip that hierarchy upside down and says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things will be added to you, will be cared for. And that's the invitation, a specific invitation to those who would put their faith and trust in Christ and enter into his kingdom. And and again, this this is all introductory to this teaching of of what Luke now reports of Jesus' teaching on do not be anxious. He's, He's giving this exchange with this person who wants Jesus to be an arbitrator about this inheritance argument. And he tells the story of this rich man who just doesn't think he's going to have enough, so he builds bigger barns. That reminds us of the fact that we can become preoccupied with caring for the, even the basic needs and wants in life and lose sight of putting our faith and trust in God and his provision for us. Let's go ahead and keep going. In verse 22 through 23, we have the first of three commands. <clears throat> Verse 22, it says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. This is the first command, and we've already referenced based on the Matthew account. We know the first command is don't be anxious. And we will have the latter command of then seek first, to seek the kingdom. There's a second one that we're going to look at is the idea of consider. Consider the ravens. Consider the lilies of the field. Consider that you can't add any time to your day. There's a, there's a significance of that middle command that we see in this passage. But in this, in this word, this do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. That, that idea of do not be anxious is, is, I think it's a pretty easy thing for us to understand. We understand it's what we worry about, what we're concerned about. It's the things that weigh upon us, that we're anxious about, that, that we're wondering specifically these basic needs of life, are they going to be cared for? And verse 23 puts us in the, this reminder of life is more than food and the body more than clothing. 
Sometimes I think we fall into this trap of saying, no, I just, I get up, I go to work. I work so I can eat. I eat so that I can work. And you get into that trap. Anyone ever been there? Feel like that's your life? Some of you I've had conversations with recently. I know that's how you're feeling at times. That we sometimes we have to take a step out of that eat to work, work to eat mentality and, and stop and just look at the blessings in life. Look at what life really is, the relationships. And looking and enjoying the beauty of God's creation. It's a little easier today with the sun shining. There's so many of the small gifts in life that we sometimes miss if we, if we allow ourselves to just be in that trap of working to eat and eating to work. God invites us, and Jesus is he's sharing this teaching. He, he's telling us, don't be anxious about those basic needs in life because life is so much more than food and clothing. The second command is the one we would tend to skip. Verse 24, it says, consider. And this, this introduces three specific illustrations that Jesus is saying. Like, so that we can not be anxious and that we can seek first the kingdom. This middle command is so critical and important because it, it challenges us to reflect on who God is and his care for us. And that we can, and because I firmly believe Jesus is really trying to challenge those that were hearing him, and he's challenging us today to understand that our view of God will impact whether or not you can trust him. If we if we have a picture of God that we think he, he doesn't care, he's not concerned, or we have a view of God that we think that he doesn't have the resources to care for us, that he's somehow limited. I, as I see Jim, I, one of my favorite phrases that I've heard out of Jim's mouth more than one occasion is the question, how big is your God? Because when you have a picture of God and understand his greatness, that, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, or is it a thousand cattle on the hill? Okay, anyways, you remember the verse. Some of you know the verse. If he, if he owns it all, if God has created it all, can't he surely care for us? And this is where Jesus is giving these illustrations. So he's saying, not just saying, don't be anxious, seek God. He, it's almost like he puts a pause on this and says, okay, consider, pause, reflect, contemplate. Contemplate, give careful thought and reflection. First, verse 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. The key statement here of how much more value are you than the birds? If if God if you can look at creation and see that the ravens are are cared for that the, Jesus is saying as we consider and reflect on that that truth we that reminder of you are so much more valuable than the ravens you're so much more valuable than anything else in all of creation that 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 God loves you and he and he's concerned for you and and that he will care for that need. The second thing that he tells us to consider. Verse 25, it says, And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And then you are not able to do a, a small thing as that. Why are you anxious about the rest? I mean, you think about this, really, that second point is not looking as much about something in creation. It's looking about just the futility of worry. I mean, you can worry about it. Is it going to make it any better? You can worry about something. It might, I mean, it might motivate you to work. It might motivate you to take some steps of action. But really at the heart of worry and anxiety is it's, it doesn't help. 
And, and no matter what we do, we all have 24 hours. We, none of us have any extra time. We, we, ha- we have to reflect in our, in our life and, and realize just we're given the same amount of time and, and we can only do so much and we have to trust God in the midst of that. There's, the, the, there's a point in which worry is futile. It's, it's kind of pointless if you think about it. It doesn't help. Verse 27, he gives a third thing to consider. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Now one specific thing that's a little bit of a confusion. They're like, okay, why are they why are they cooking grass or burning grass here? This reality in the world in which Jesus was working and living, uh, there wasn't always a plentiful amount of wood to burn. So often the fuel would be the, the, the grass and the things of the field would have been burnt. So Jesus' third point of consideration is look at the field. Look at look at the grass and the lilies in the field and, and to see the beauty of that. And to understand that, that, again, just like the value, how much more valuable we are than the ravens, how, he says at the end of verse 28, how much more will he clothe you? And then he brings in the issue of faith. O you of little faith. The reminder here, the contemplation reflecting upon God's provision for the ravens that we can't add anything to our day. We can't extend the amount of time that we have and that worrying really isn't going to help. And then this reminder of that if we can look at the lilies of the field and know the splendor and the beauty that we see, hopefully we're going to start seeing more and more in the coming weeks here in Warren. I think the snow needs to all melt first. But, but when you look and you see the beauty of the field, it's just to think about that truth, that God will provide. How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus goes on to the third command, and this is, again, we, we, the command of don't be anxious. Consider these things. We see God's provision. We see how much he values us, that he cares for us. And, and we're told to seek the kingdom. Verse 29, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. That statement here, again, it's, it, this gets into this issue of not only trust, seeking the kingdom and letting God then care for those needs, is not just an issue of trust and faith that was introduced in verse 28, but it, this gets back to that uh, larger conversation we said about what we're preoccupied with. This rich man who thought he had to build bigger barns was preoccupied with bringing in more and was preoccupied, rather than just trusting God to provide, was so preoccupied of, of trying to get to a point where he had enough, and, and if, you, if you haven't realized this in your own life or seen it in others, it's never enough. People that fall into that trap, and when we, if we're honest, fall into that trap, we realize that we're ne- we never have enough. And so whether we have a little in the bank account, a lot in the bank account, or somewhere in between, we need to examine our hearts and our lives to say, am I willing to trust 
God to provide? And am I willing to let myself be preoccupied first with seeking after God, knowing that he will care for us? This is the invitation and and some of what we've sung this morning of, of letting God be our vision, letting his kingdom be our first thought. Jesus goes on, verse 32 through 34, and there's some stuff here that isn't in the Matthew account, but it, it builds on these themes. And, and, and in verse 32, we, we, in these verses, we see a shift from God's general provision for all of creation to his specific care and concern for his children, his flock. Verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I love that verse. Hear that again. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure. Something he wants to do. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Think about that. We've gone way beyond food and shelter. God is saying, look, I can care for the food. I can give you what you need to eat. I can clothe you, but I want to give you the kingdom. And all that comes with the kingdom of God. And, and, and for Jesus, we understood that when Jesus proclaimed the kingdom, he was proclaiming a present reality that was coming with him in his presence and, and all the good that he was bringing, as well as the future kingdom that would come where everything will be set right and all things will be new. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That the little flock it would have, for that most people hearing this would have been an understanding of the idea of Israel, but it definitely carries over to those who have embraced Jesus as, as teacher, as master, as Lord. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We've sung about this being the Father's world. Take some time and go back and look at that hymn if you've got a hymnal at home. And, and look at just the, the picture of God's provision for his people having a picture of, of who God is and what he wants to give us, not only our wants or our needs, but even our wants. There are times where God, when our wants are shaped and formed to align with God's desires for us, God wants to bless us and he wants to give us his kingdom, which at the heart is, is coming to a point of understanding who Jesus is and surrendering our lives to him, embracing Jesus as Lord so that we can experience all the benefit of, of his reign in our life. What we see in these verses is a reminder that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you this kingdom, but to receive the kingdom, what's consistent through all of Jesus' teaching, to really receive the kingdom, we have to lay it all down. We have to lose our life to gain it. Jesus, in the shortest of the parables, in the parable of the field, the treasure in the field is like it's you go and you buy this field that you know there's a hidden treasure in it and and you'll you'll sell everything that you have because you know the treasure in the field is more valuable than anything you would sell and he tells the story of the pearl of great price that if if you realize that this pearl that i have opportunity to to secure is more valuable than everything i own then it only makes sense to sell everything i have to purchase that pearl of greatest of great price the, the exchange for us as Christ followers is to understand that anything we lose, anything we surrender, we gain that much more because God, our Father, wants to give us his kingdom. And so he says in verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. 
Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasures in heaven that, do not, that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so Jesus is, is, is challenging us in, in these words, and we see this throughout his teaching, this idea of, of making eternal investments not just focusing on treasures in this earth, but focusing on treasures in heaven, which is not only investing in our own soul and our own spiritual needs, but often that is tied to the idea of selling our possessions, caring for the needs of the poor, caring for the needs of those who, who, who have greater need than we do. All is an expression of our, of our trusting God's presence in our life and his kingdom and, and focusing first on him. All of this reminds us that those eternal investments we make, I mean, the, those, the, the parable that we started with, this is really that parable and these final verses are like bookends to this whole account. It introduces the themes and then reconnects with these themes again. And, and so these words of selling your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, those words would have been echoing to the hearers there, reminding them of the words that Jesus just spoke in this parable of the man who needed bigger barns to store more so he could provide for all that he would need in his future. I think Jesus, in reminding him of this truth, would have said, well, can you trust me that what you have is enough? Can you give a little bit of that extra to those in need around you? Can you have your eyes fixed on me instead of fixed on filling the barns? And be willing to share of the abundance that I provide so that you can bless those around you. Jesus is giving some very practical teachings and reminding us of how to trust him, to, to, to consider the ways that God provides for the world around us and that we can be reminded of God's desire to care for us. And the reminder and the consistent challenge to seek first his kingdom, that we focus first on pursuing Christ and his kingdom in our life and then trust him to provide what we need. When we do that, it allows our hearts and our minds to be focused where they need, it needs to be. And, and this gets us to verse 34 in closing. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That idea of where our treasure is, it's what, our, what we're preoccupied with. We can be so preoccupied with caring for the concerns of life and sometimes even go, again, going, talking about that consumer culture we live in, we can be so preoccupied with some of the wants and the things that go way beyond food and shelter that we just, it's the new truck. It's the new electronic toy, guilty. There, there, there are always things that we can want. And we have to ask ourselves, is it possible that the things that we want, that we're preoccupied with, are, are, are impacting us and our own soul and our own heart? The word soul was used earlier. From a Jewish person, the soul and the heart, we're, t- we're talking the same thing. It's the inner person. It's, it's who we are. That if, if our mind and our heart and our emotion and, and, and all of who we are are preoccupied and focused on, on things that are not eternal, and we, sque- it, we squeeze God out, 
instead of putting ourselves in a place where we can enjoy a few of the wants, we can trust God to provide for the needs and, and keep our focus, our vision focused on Jesus and his kingdom. We can experience what Jesus demonstrated, that you can live a life where you're trusting the Father to provide. I've been watching through the, the Chosen um, TV series. Some of you, if you, if you haven't seen it, well worth it. I'm not a big Christian media person, but this is probably the best Christian media I've ever seen in the sense of telling um, the quality of the, how it's telling the story. And so it's telling the story of Jesus gathering his disciples and, and his, over multiple seasons. Um, one of the episodes that showed him living in a tent, caring for his basic needs of life and then going into the cities where he would, city where he would have these encounters with his early, the early encounters with his disciples. Remembering Jesus is the one who, he didn't have a home to go to. He, he, he was a wanderer. Jesus not only shared these truths, he lived it. He demonstrated it. He trusted his heavenly father to care and provide and he challenges us to do the same. And so today, I just pray that where, whether you're here today and you're dealing with real genuine concerns about meal, food for the next day, or whether you're finding yourself preoccupied with some wants and some things that really aren't even essential, let's remember Jesus' example and his words to not be anxious, to trust him, to consider the lilies of the field, Consider the, how God provides for the ravens. Consider the futility of worry and this anxiety and seek first the kingdom of God and let him care for those needs. That all those things would be added to us. That he will provide what he needs because again, going back to my mom's comments, Jesus knows our wants, he knows our needs and he's going to care for us. I found a quote by Brother Lawrence the man, uh, individual who wrote Practicing the Presence of God, he says this, he says, we have a God who is infinitely gracious and knows our want. Now, that's a statement of remembering just how important it is that our picture of who God is and his blessing, re remember those words that, that we have a God who is infinitely gracious He's, I mean, he's generous. He, he, we have a father who, who desires, he wants to give us the kingdom. He wants to not only care for our food and our clothing, he wants to give us his kingdom. And he invites us to trust him. Will you pray with me? Dear Holy Father, we just thank you for the reminder of these words, Lord, that are so relevant for today in which, in which we live in a world which is always trying to sell us something else that we need. And yet also coming through a season where the, just how frail life can be, we've been reminded of that truth with sickness, with loss of jobs, with the impact of the economy. Lord, we, there are days where there, I'm sure many in this room and, and those listening online have had days where they wondered where, how they would provide food on the table. Lord, whether we're focused and, and, and obsessed with things or preoccupied with things that are not even really needs, or we're really genuinely just concerned about caring for the basic needs of life, Lord, help us to be remember, to not be anxious, to consider the way you care for your creation and how much you care for your children, your flock. And may we seek you first, trusting that you'll provide for all of our needs. 
pray this in Jesus' name.